We translate for those who can't understand. We write for those who can't hear. We describe for those who can't see. Subti Subtitles and accessibility for film, television and theater. Subti.com Fred, 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 Fred. This is Cristiana Palmieri for Fred Film Radio from the Sydney Film Festival. My name is Roberto Pombo. Here on Fred Film Radio, the Festival Insider. Io sono Laura Buffa e questa è una nuova puntata di Fred Mag. Mein Name ist Beatrice Bieden und ich spreche mit Andreas Kuchowska. Fred, Fred, the Festival Experience in 23 languages. Cinephile, you're listening to the Big Fred Tuesday, Fred Film Radio's weekly show on all things cinema, with a particular focus on independent filmmaking and the international film festival scene. The show is hosted and produced by yours truly, Matt Micucci. And this week's show will be a bit of an anomaly. We're going to put some of our regular features on hiatus because I've been requested to dedicate an entire show to the Torino Film Festival, which of course is the annual Metropolitan Film Festival of Turin in Italy, a city that was essentially the birthplace of film in Italy and that is home to a much-loved museum of cinema that I would recommend any cinephiles out there to visit. In any event, Fred has a long-standing relationship with the Torino Film Festival and once again, we were media partners of the event, which took place on the 26th of November to the 4th of December. The winners, of course, have been announced, but let's not spoil all the fun just yet. We'll be doing a little overview later. For now, let me just announce that throughout the course of the show, we will be revisiting some of the interviews and good work that our Fred correspondents have been doing on location, and I will myself be interviewing Sebastian Meiser, the director of the prison set LGBTQ drama Great Freedom, which was presented there. I am itching to begin, so let's get this show on the road, fire up an audio teeny, and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. This is the Big Fred Tuesday. Fred. Let's begin our roundup of interviews from the Torino Film Festival of 2021 by checking out Angelo Acerbi's conversation with director Garth Jennings, who talked about his computer-animated feature Sing 2, a sequel to the beloved Sing, which was released in 2016. Take a listen. I was very, very happy that you opened with Let's Go Crazy by Prince, yes. which is one of my favorite yeah. artists ever. Uh, I want to ask you, how did you choose the song? Oh, what that the, one? Well, that's, that song, all the songs. Well, that one, I can tell you, uh, was what is, you know, just what is, what would be the most amazing song to open with. And I was a huge Prince fan oh, growing right. up. I was a member of the fan club. I went to concert called, you know, I, I, I know everything about this man and mm -hmm. i love his music it means the world to me so to open with a prince song was a personal favorite but also one that i felt you know all, my whole team all of us chris miller Dandry, all of us just loved it and then it was a case of just trying to find the right visual idea mm -hmm. to 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 you know go with that which was alice in wonderland and what i mean and what an idea because it's really it's it's astounding how big and how in your face it is all the yeah. very the very beginning is yeah it's gigantic but it also feels like the kind of show you might see in a small theater mm -hmm. you know alice in wonderland is a show that you see all the time and that's it so it fits the whole opening but all the songs in the movie are driven by the story so very often a lot of the musical ideas are being written into the script as i go along mm -hmm. and sometimes they change because you'll write a, you'll write in an idea like uh oh like goodbye yellow brick road was the right emotional idea and actually was the song that stuck but then another scene when a, they're going on a long bus journey 
I had one song in mind and I thought, I know this is going to work. But then when we put it to picture, it just it didn't. didn't work. Sometimes it doesn't work. And so you have to find alternatives that are that do the right job but in ways you don't expect now, how long is the process the creative process for a film oh. like this oh god <laughs> well this one has been four years work just over four years and it's taken yeah uh, there's nearly 500 over 500 people that have worked on it oh, okay. yeah uh, there is a very cinematic quality to it in terms of visual yes. Everything is wide, so the, you know, the, the, the frames are wide, and yeah. the, it, everything is big. Yeah. And there, there's a lot of musicals, a lot of Bugs B. Berkeley yes. feel to it. Were you a fan? Were you. Oh, huge. Do, do you want to convey this feeling into the film? Scale, yes. I mean, the, the story is telling me to go big because the ambitions of the characters are enormous. They're very small characters at the beginning, and they live in a little town, and, but they're trying to make it in the big leagues they're trying to fulfill their potential mm -hmm. and um so it naturally gets bigger so the camera has to step back because the scenarios the scenes the the action everything gets bigger so you have to allow for that make room for it yeah uh the the choice of the closing song by bono was very funny because you I mean you told us yesterday now yeah how did it happen can you yes. tell us again sure um well the 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 whole movie ends with the show. That's not spoiling the movie no, for you. It's like a Rocky, like Rocky. You know it's going to end in a fight. It's just how it ends. Um, so, but then once the show is finished, um, um, a, a new U2 song comes in, one that was written for our movie. And that started back in 2019 when I first spoke to Bono about playing the part of Clay Calloway, the lion. And after this lovely long conversation, he suggested that there was a song, you know, involved. It, you know, it could be a song here. And I honestly thought he just meant, like, yeah, there could be a song. Like, yeah, that would be amazing. But mm -hmm. nobody talked about it. And then a few months later, he came to the recording process to do his lines. And it went great. And at the end of it, he just said, pulled out his phone. And he just said, oh, I wrote that song, by the way. <laughs> by the way. By the way, you know, kind of like, here's that song. And he played it off his phone. And I, as I said last night, at first I was thinking, oh, my gosh. What if I hate this song? What am I going to do with my face? How am I going <laughs> to... How do you tell him? But literally within seconds, I was like, well, this is tonally yeah. perfect. And he'd done everything we talked about, but like better. And then, and then when he played it back later on a big sound system, I honestly found it very emotional. Because firstly, because Bono's just written me a song. Yeah, exactly. Right? Which is the first thing. That's I'll, I'll powerful. Ball, you know? Secondly... This is the end of the movie. It's the whole end of the movie. He's, it's going to work. And it was all the feelings I wanted from the film. And I've, I got kind of emotional. I had to stop myself from looking too ridiculous in front of this <laughs> wonderful man. Yeah, I mean, I, am, I will always be grateful. Bonus, yeah, you have to hold it Makes together. Sense. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, was still, it still is when I hear it, I'm taken back to that moment when he said, here's the song. And I, I, he, He's an extraordinary man. I, I, a real gift. I, 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 I can't say enough about him. Yeah. Uh, listen, Garth, how, do you, how does a director of a film like this work with the real actor, actors that give voices to the characters? Right, yeah. That's the most complicated. Well, it's all complicated because everyone assumes we have them all in a room together, but they're never recorded together. You record one person at a time. Mm -hmm. And because you're often, I'm often updating the scenes or changing them, you re-record them maybe 10, 12 times over a yeah. period of a few years. So one scene might have... 
five characters in it and they were all recorded in different places over different years there are some lines from one character where the beginning of the line was recorded in i know 2018 and the last part was recorded in 2020 you know um it is a mess and it is like a jigsaw puzzle and you're constantly taking pieces out and putting pieces back in and so my job is to keep it all in my head and in the in the movie and so that it all fits together at the end yeah and how did you coach them if you do coach them in terms of i mean they are acting even yeah. if they're not acting physically oh, they're no, actually acting so yeah. it, it it's very much about me just giving them the information and the energy of who else is in the scene or like you know the obvious example would be okay in this line you are running for your life and you're on the telephone and you're in a big crowded area so you're running you're on a phone and you're shouting i mean that might be as specific as that or but most of the time i'm reading the other parts of the scene as the other characters so i'm trying to match the energy and the tone of mm-hmm. what the other actors are doing or will be doing so it it's just sort of and and also allowing the actors to explore their instincts very often they'll read it perfectly but then they'll have another idea of what to do and that will be fantastic too so you have to be very specific and then open to improvisation mm-hmm. and they're all very i mean they're amazingly talented all of them so they will give you what you want but also more than you ask yeah. for yeah and then they i mean and then they have to be available and any time for years well they that's the trouble they're, it's not about them being available it's us being ready to catch them between like if you've got scarlett johansson going from like beating up a planet you know aliens to going to marriage story you've got like a little window to grab <laughs> two hours in new york you have to be ready to go get it and uh, yeah <laughs> It's not about them being free it's about us being ready to get them when they're free. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen the 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 building up of the of the choreography of the film because yeah. you know there are musical numbers like musical theater yes. so choreography is needed. Yeah. How does choreography work in the world of animation? Well, I suppose there are a number of ways you can do it. One of them that is used in other movies is motion capture, uh-huh. where they put um, you know a suit on somebody and that the, the, as they move, that, that movement is recorded by the computer. We, we haven't done that. What we did was we worked with a choreographer called Sherry Silver, who is extraordinary. You should look her up. She is, uh, I mean, you'll know her work anyway because she did the choreography for This Is America. Okay. And... Um, She would work together with real dancers and we would film them very informally just with our iPhones and cameras and and that that choreography would inform the animation so the animators were able to use that as a kind of inspiration as a starting point mm-hmm. um but then interpret that but yeah dance is another language for me I don't know it very well I just adore it and so to work with somebody who speaks that language who's physically able to just create those 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 routines is fantastic yeah yeah uh, one thing that i want to ask you is the um how this how do you relate with the fact that your film is going to be dubbed in many countries so the voices of the character that you chose specific actors for specific yeah. character because of their tone their voice yeah. their qualities how do you relate with the with the fact that those voices are going to be translated into well, other languages and you have, yeah. do you have a say on that it's it's a fascinating process firstly a movie like <clears throat> sing is for a big audience mm-hmm. and so i love the fact that we can work with other talented artists to bring the story to life in different languages 
that would be a shame if we couldn't do that mm. and i love like being here in italy and meeting the cast that are doing it here they're just fantastic and they they bring a new dimension to it the most important thing is do you believe that that voice fits, fits. that character yeah. do you believe obviously they're already chosen because they're, they're in the running because they're talented but do you believe that's coming out of yeah. that it's amazing you can hear the most brilliant actor brilliant voice but you just don't believe it fits the yeah because the, they don't it, match no um but everyone we've we've been looking into and working with has been incredible and it's so interesting you know all around the world going to japan and different countries in germany and and hearing the choices that people have made and and suggesting it's fascinating i love that it opens up the movie do you know what i mean i love mm. that it makes it open to every age group and every nationality and actually it's a film that works for children and parents because it was i mean yesterday night there was a uh, a father with the, with a with a little daughter just sitting right in front of me and they were enjoying the film as well yes which I mean, is a good accomplishment but I, i'm sure you were the same like people like us who have fought who were in love with cinema usually fell in love with it when we were kids Mm-hmm. You know, we usually were children and somebody took us to the movies. And it was that being taken to the movies and, and having this experience where you're not just watching something wonderful, but you're watching it with all these other people. That is such a precious um, experience for me mm-hmm. personally. And I know a lot of people who love movies too have that same thing that if we can do that with Sing, if we can give people that sort of collective feeling of like embracing the audience... Mm-hmm. That is the dream. That's what this film is all about. Yeah. My last question. How, what drawn you to animation films? Because you didn't start with that. No, I didn't. I'd always played around with animation when I was a kid. Uh, very bad little animated films. Mm-hmm. And then even at art school, I was doing a lot of animated films and short films. Because animation was a way I could just, you know, make a film on a table. You know, yeah, it's cheap. At home. Yeah, but you could tell a story. But I loved it, and I've always been inspired by animation. Um, in England, there was Ardman making films like The Wrong Trousers with Wallace and Gromit. I think they're some of the greatest films ever made. Mm. Um, and uh, some of those early Pixar films, they blew my mind. They still do. They, you know, um, and um, I, I just can't resist something that, that can do so much with storytelling. I mean, how, in a way, the answer is really, why wouldn't you want to make an animated <laughs> oh, film? Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's so, it's such a, a, an extraordinary thing to see these characters come to life. And I remember the only experience I had that's similar is when I used to work with the Jim Henson company uh-huh. and we did some projects together and seeing those puppets come to life and live and breathe was, that was magic. And it's, I feel a similar sense of magic working in animation. Mm. It's beautiful. And I think that that can translate to the audience. They can be just swept away by what really are just pixels. Yeah, There's yeah. no one yeah. there. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but it's, it's a beautiful magic trick. So basically, you are Barca Moon. <laughs> Looking at the creation uh, coming up and yeah, building uh, itself. Naive, uh, a little bit arrogant. <laughs> Uh, a, uh, and a yeah. dreamer yeah a dreamer absolutely. but also not afraid to tell a few lies in order to get where I need to go <laughs> yeah, yeah so, maybe I have that in common yeah, yeah, yeah. well thanks a lot thanks for that Jenny pleasure. the director of Sing 2 here at the Torino Film Festival I'm Angela Cherby for Fred the Festival Insider Fred Cinephile before we carry on let's take a look at some of the winners of the major awards at the Torino Film Festival of 2021 firstly The feature film jury was presided by Il Dico Agnieri. 
the Hungarian filmmaker who won the top prize at the 67th Berlin International Film Festival for her film On Body and Soul, which went on to be nominated for a Foreign Language Academy Award. The jury deliberated that the top prize of the Torino Film Festival for this year should go to Between Two Dawns, a Turkish co-production directed by Selman Nakar that is described as a moral thriller exploring ethical and familiar responsibilities over the course of one 24-hour period. In their official motivation, the jury stated that Between Two Dawns is a film that, with extraordinary writing and directing talent, is able to tell a believable story that makes us laugh, that moves and surprises us. A mature film directed with intelligent sobriety, which reveals a new, big talent. A special jury award was also given, and guess what? It was a tie between El Planeta, directed by Amalia Ullman, and Feathers, by Omar El Zohairi. The Best Actress Award went to Gong Seong-yun for her performance in Aloners by Hong Seong-yun. In the film, she plays the role of a solitary woman re-evaluating her isolated existence after her neighbor dies alone in his apartment. I'm actually slated to watch this film soon and perhaps create some content about it that I will deliver on the next episode of The Big Fred Tuesday. And you know what? The Best Actor Award went to Franz Rogowski for Great Freedom, the prison-set LGBTQ drama directed by Sebastian Meisa. And we'll be speaking with the director soon about this film, so stay tuned for that one. For all of the winners, I urge you to check out the Google machine and the Torino Film Festival's official website. And while I'm at it, I also encourage you to check out Fred.fm for lots of content and interviews that were recorded and that was recently created at the Torino Film Festival, including with many of the award winners, one of them being Monica Bellucci, who won the Stella della Mole Award for Artistic Innovation. How about that? We'll be back for more film conversation after this. Red Film Radio. Well, since we just talked about the winners, why not revisit Angelo Cerbi's interview with the president of the jury of the Torino Film Festival's feature film competition, Il Deco Enyedi. Let's go. So you are a president, you have a responsibility on your shoulders, I think. And uh, uh, which, which is your, your uh, approach to this role? Well, uh, we are just jury members. You have to name a president. Yeah, I know. But all of us, we share a bigger responsibility, slightly bigger responsibility than general festivals because we are speaking about beginners. And uh, one award can make a career or um, ignoring a beautiful film can break a career more easily. Um, so it's, even so more, it's an it's, extra responsibility. It's even more difficult, actually, than a regular jury for regular films, which are not first feature, you know? Yeah, also we don't have the, those references then with established authors. When you, you know the previous works, you know the style, you know the approach, and perhaps you are more open. So we have to be extra uh, uh, empathetic and extra open for for these young people. When you watch a film that is not yours, of course, uh, what is that uh, gets the most of your attention? What is, what is the part of the, um, of the movie-making process that you, you look at more? You know, I think uh, you probably ask it also from other jury members. Uh, we are, first of all, I think all of us, uh, first of all, uh, uh, spectators, and f- then afterwards, 
you have the professional tools to explain why probably you felt this and not that and this more than that. <laughs> uh, so it's rather uh, the articulation of our opinion uh, uh, which is based on our uh, basic and very primary feelings which is different from a normal spectator. Uh, I have a, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to ask you one thing about your career. You work, um, you made a lot of movies, and you also work for 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 television. And lately, television and films are very on the same level of quality-wise. You know, sometimes there are there is not the the very main difference between the products for for theaters and the products for for TV. Under your point of view, as a film director, is there a different of approach when you work for TV and when you work for films, or not? I don't know. Well, there is a huge part of television which is not conceivable for a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. What is new in the last, well, it's already 20 years, yeah. 15, 20 <laughs> years, is that uh, uh, television realized or the VOD platforms realize that quality pays back. Mm -hmm. That it is not against uh, gaining um, spectators to create quality. And this very simple thing, what we secretly, as spectators, we knew always, uh, this changed the game. Um, so as soon as quality was let in, Uh, because it's another format, uh, a, a new wave of inspiration came. Because if quality is meeting a new format, then you have uh, new um, new directions, uh, new values, new efforts. And um, I must say, I worked uh, for HBO, which is a bit different. Yeah. Uh, And uh, it was an exquisite, wonderful, creatively very free process. Well, they were the first of, of understanding this, actually. Yes. You know, that quality is important exactly. in any kind of, of, at any level. Probably is also a, a fact of considering the audience in a, in a better way, because the audience is smarter than what they thought, probably. They are much more smart, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thanks a lot to Ide Cognetti, the president of the jury of the Torino Film Festival. Um, Angela Cherby for Fred, the Festival Insider. Thank you very much. Fred Film Radio. Joining us at this time on the Big Fred Tuesday is filmmaker Sebastian Meiser. Sebastian, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to have you, and uh, we'll be talking about your film, Great Freedom, which was recently presented, or screened, uh, I should say, at the Torino Film Festival. Uh, it was presented earlier this year in Cannes, I believe. So, But Sebastian, before, you, uh, before we begin to talk about this film in more detail, this is kind of the obligatory question, but would you be able to tell us a little bit about its story so that our listeners who are not familiar with the movie can, uh, can know a bit about it? Yeah, 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 sure. Well, uh, the story is, um, um, set in, um, in Germany in the post-war era. So, um, it starts in 45 after the Second World War and, uh, goes on until 69. And, um, 
it, it tells the story about a man who is uh, constantly um, persecuted and imprisoned because of uh, section paragraph 175, which was the paragraph um, um, that um, forbid um, homosexuality, love between men, actually. And he's, um, he, yeah, he has to deal with this and he's imprisoned again and again and again. And in prison he meets, um, he builds up a relationship with um with a murderer actually and um over the time they get closer and closer and um have a very special bond mm -hmm. that's the story in yeah great in well, well, thank you for that yeah i mean you mentioned paragraph 175 i was wondering was this a starting point for you in developing this film Yeah, exactly. It's, um, uh, we came across um, reports of gay men who were liberated from concentration camps by the Allies, by the Americans and the British, and um, uh, were put directly into prison to serve the remaining um, sentences. Um, this was really disturbing, this continuity, you know, that... Um, That for them the the war wasn't over, and um, that uh, paragraph 175 just went on for many many decades um, after the Second World War, and um, and this was uh, completely new. And um, I was um, then we started researching, and I, I found out that I that I didn't have so much knowledge about this uh, paragraph. In fact, um, I knew that 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 homosexuality was illegal at one point. Uh, I knew about the Stonewall riots more than I knew about the queer history of Germany, actually. Yeah. And, um, yeah, then we started researching. We met people, um, with firsthand experience. So, so who, who experienced being imprisoned for being gay in the sixties. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and yeah, and then the story, um, grew bigger and bigger. Yeah. You bring up a good point, actually, in uh, these parts of our, the histories of our countries that we don't know much about. Uh, specifically, having researched this topic, why do you feel that it's not known as much? I don't know for for sure, but um, uh, I, I believe it, it's because the criminalization went on for so long. You know, it, 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 they amended the paragraph in '69 in Germany, but it was only abolished in '94, actually. So, um, so it went. The criminalization went on and went on, and uh, nobody. So, so this avoided the. I think the state wanted to avoid the the to 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 talk about it and to to say to to say that they um that they committed um crimes again uh, crimes against um human rights actually mm. and um and it was only in 2017 that the that the minister of justice um uh, acknowledged that that um that the state was um, was wrong and um They had the first apologies, actually, and um, but but at that point, um, most of them uh, affected most of the gay people who who, who experienced um, the persecution were already dead, or the ones who were not dead, they didn't care anymore because they lived their whole lives um, um, on, on the, uh, stigmatized, you know, and mm. uh, they said, okay, no, the hell with it, we don't care <laughs> anymore, right. yeah. 
Well, the historical context of the film is certainly fascinating in its own right. But if we move on to perhaps discussing the cinematic standpoint, uh, I'm also curious about the prison setting. And mm. I wanted to ask you, do you find, did you find this a particularly stimulating setting to work in? Uh, because of course, um, I'm asking you this particularly when dealing with emotions and in this case, sexuality too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I, I really like the, um, the limited space, uh, not only the real limited space in the cells, but also, um, um, to be limited in, in a narrative way. You know, you don't have that many locations. You, you, it's really, it's about the, these characters and, and that's it more or less, you know, and this, this is, uh, this limitation is what I, what I really like, um, what, 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 makes me creative in a way yeah so does that mean also while you were conceiving the idea uh, as well as while you were actually filming absolutely yeah absolutely oh. we'll be right back to talk more about great freedom with sebastian miser in a moment fred we're back to talk more about great freedom with its director Sebastian Meiser and the film was screened at the Torino Film Festival uh, the Torino Film Festival 2021 so Sebastian before the break we discussed the limitations of working on a film that is set in a prison and you said that you were quite stimulated by by these limitations but given these limitations did the final film stylistically come out the way that you had originally envisioned when you conceived of the movie Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. So we've, we've been working on the script for a long time. So, and the film was more or less, is more or less what the script was. I mean, we had some parts of improvisation also with the main actors who were fantastic for, I, I really loved them. And, uh, so we, we tried to give them space uh, in, in, in terms of, um, trying out also some things that are not written exactly like that. And, um, but, but the structure stayed the same. Yeah. So, uh, I, I would definitely want to talk about the acting a bit more later, but inevitably the setting of the prison uh, will draw comparisons with the works of Kafka, for example. And without mm. giving too much away, I felt like while I was watching this film, there are occasional twists here and there that also suggest that freedom, too, can be a burden. Uh, mm. would, you, would you say that that's something that you played with, too, this perception that freedom, too, uh, in, in certain circumstances, can be a prison? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's this uh, famous quote of Sartre. Um, um, I, I don't know exactly how it is in English, but it's um, it's like um, we are condemned to freedom. Can you? Yeah. Can you, are you fam like that, familiar yeah. <laughs> familiar with that? Yeah, something like that. So um, we uh, we need to find our freedom in our in our heads. Actually, it's mm. um, it's what we are what, what we are obliged to as human beings. Because there can never be freedom, full, complete freedom we, we never can achieve here. Do you have a personal definition for freedom? No, not actually, no. That's, um, that overwhelms me, <laughs> I have to say. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, in this, in this, um, in this, in, in terms of, um, of what, what the whole paragraph was about, I mean, it's, it's obvious that, that it's, it had been, uh, completely against human rights and this is um, something where we have to to draw the line i think you know we mm. we know there are certain freedom there is a certain freedom 
which uh, is um, universal, I think. And um, and we as democracies, we have to absolutely fight for these freedoms and to achieve this and um, care for that. One of them being sexuality. Mm. And uh, so uh, F uh, Franz Lugowski actually plays the role of uh, Hans, uh, the man imprisoned uh, time and time again for his sexuality in this film. And he's definitely a talent, you know, I mean... And he uh, actually received an award for his performance in Great Freedom in Torino. So mm. I wanted to ask you, uh, seeing as we brought up acting earlier, can you tell me a bit about how you worked with him in finding his character? Mm. Yeah, well, we actually, we talked a lot about it. We did no real rehearsing, um, but we met, met often and talked about it. And um, I think the most important for me as a director is to to build up a film family in a way you know for for every project and uh, to become friends and and work on the same vision i think that's the most important and um that's that's what we did and um also with uh, georg so um with georg friedrich the, the the other main actor um so it really felt like um yeah building up um a kind of um secure space and um, where everything is possible and nobody every decision is right in a way you know what I mean so so to have a home yeah yeah it's interesting to talk about secure space about a film that is set in a prison right <laughs> yeah <laughs> because there's yeah. a lot of hostility uh, in 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 the the, the very harsh and uh, almost cruel setting of a prison but your film at the end of the day talks about human connection yeah yeah would yeah. you say that's that's fair yeah absolutely absolutely yeah mm. Well, uh, so now, Sebastian, where are you speaking to us from at the moment? From uh, Los Angeles. Actually. What What are you doing there? I'm uh, campaigning for the Oscars. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. interesting. Because well, the film we has the, been well received, so yeah. Yeah, and we're the Austria, Austrian entry for the Oscars, hmm. and um, there's some screenings here, and um, and some I, I meet I meet with some voters and um, try to. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, the, the short list will will be out soon. I think end of uh, December. Then then we we know more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Sebastian, I, I I it was a great pleasure speaking with you. I, I loved the film, and I wish you all the best. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. Fred. Cinephile Angelo Cerbi spoke with the winning director of Best Film for this year's Torino Film Festival. The winning film is Between Two Dawns, and the director is Selma Nakar. Take a listen. There is this uh, entrepreneur, there is a, uh, um, a worker that got seriously hurt on his premises, and he has to decide what to do. We are in... Um, now, before asking you this, I'm going to ask you... Why, why did you choose to tell us this story specifically? I mean, uh, while making films, you intuitively, you know, do uh, many different, um, you know, decisions. And there are several things that why I wanted to do that. But uh, first of all, I'm always interested in starting with the character. So I was always interested in this kind of character who is in a labyrinth and whose roads are, paths are closing and who's trying to get out of that labyrinth, you mm -hmm. know? 
and uh, I wanted to see a character like that. Also, I was always interested in these issues like crime, uh, punishment, justice, uh, because I study law. Even if I wouldn't make this film, I, that's something that I'm like always thinking about. And uh, also, I'm really interested in how human beings can change in short amount of time mm-hmm. and how they react when something like this important happens, you know. So basically, when I was thinking intuitively all these issues between two dons, just let me allow to, you know... To explore exactly, all this. Exactly. Different. Yeah, because the film... the. There is this, this moral question, and we are in a very wealthy environment, so it's very easy for uh, us to say, okay, you see, be- rich people are bad people, but he's not a bad guy, actually. He's a very concerned guy. And it's very, and it's very classical that in his surroundings, they're trying to cover things up, while, while he feels a moral responsibility. So uh, how, did you, how did you manage to get this... Balance between one side and the other so well, and, and create a tension because yeah. it's like a very, it's like a, a, a thriller film. Yeah, I mean, I believe the life is not like black and white and not zero and ones. Mm. You know, there are some gray areas that we don't know what to do. Sometimes people react to the situations like as they know everything, and they're like super well people who react everything so well. You know. I'm not sure many things about life. And that's why I wanted to tell from a character's perspective who is like this, you know. So uh, also, um, I mean, because I wanted to, uh, you know, ask these questions to the audience, of course I would tell this story from different perspective, from different characters, but Kadir was the character who who lets me allow to pass these questions to the audience mm-hmm. because he yeah. doesn't know how to react he thinks and then audience also react to the situation and i talk with many audience saying that i asked this question to myself yeah, and i don't know what to do you know yeah. I, i don't know what that that was something that i want yeah we can stay like uh, an external observers we have to be into yeah, i mean you bring us into the story and into the this yeah. dilemma. I want to ask you one question about style. The film is very neat, it's very dry, very it's like a very it's like a thriller of the soul because it's it's a thriller in, in terms of editing of, of a rhythm of pace of narrative. But the, the thriller part is I mean there is not I mean there's not a heist, there is not a, a killing. Is this more a question? So uh, was The form for you important as well as the content in order to create yeah. a whole project, a whole... I think so, because like uh, when I was writing, I knew I was going to shoot like this. Uh, the, every scene was one shot, so there is no cut in any scene. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I wanted to make a film that has a rhythm, but at the same time, I wanted to make audience to feel the time, you know? So I wanted to put them in a position observing with Kadir everything and asking this question to themselves. That's why in order to do, achieve this, uh, you, it has to start from the writings in the script. So I, after I wrote this uh, story, 
I was checking every scene, like how long does it take? Because you don't, uh, when you don't cut, you cannot change much yeah, for the time in editing. Yeah. You can only uh, play with the beginning and ending of the scene, and that's it. So that's why the form was like this in my mind from the beginning. And I think uh, it's somehow the content and the, uh, how I should fit somehow, you know, and uh, because I don't want to also force, I don't want to show something is forced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, but it flows in a way. But it was like this from day one for me. And, and actually, it gives it gives the audience the exact. I mean, it, it's uh, it's more involving for the audience. It's more, you know, uh, you are you understand much more all the pressures and all the. The, the problems that this dilemma is causing to the yeah, to clear. Yeah. Also, like for me, uh, I didn't want to tell the story from subjective perspective of Kadir, but I wanted to tell objectively, uh, putting audience in an observing position with Kadir. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much to Salman Dakar, director of Between Two Dawns here at Torino. In competition, I'm Angela Cherby for Fred the Festival Insider. Red Film Radio. Cinephile. I hope you enjoyed this week's special edition of the Big Fred Tuesday, which almost entirely focused on the 2021 Torino Film Festival. I say almost entirely because the one regular feature that I simply cannot skip is our regular segment of the show with a recommendation for essential cinephile viewing. This segment I like to call Popcorn Classic. And this week's cinephile recommendation is Land and Freedom, the 1995 feature directed by the great British filmmaker Ken Loach. The movie is the fictional story of David Carr, an unemployed British communist who decides to fight for the Republican coalition of liberals, communists and anarchists in the 1936 Spanish Civil War. This is a passionate retelling of a wartime drama shot with a realist quality that at times truly recalls direct cinema documentary filmmaking. It takes us right inside a revolutionary movement and a time of a country's tumultuous radical change and revisits the British involvement in a battle of idealism in a foreign country. The challenge of this hyper-realist style is sustained by great naturalist performances by the cast, including Ian Hart at his absolute best in the leading role of the movie. With Land and Freedom, David Armstrong of the San Francisco Examiner argued that Ken Loach revived the eclipsed tradition of European social realism, which is a big statement and debatable, but you can understand where it comes from given Ken Loach's commitment to politically engaged filmmaking. In fact, I feel like I should say that what is true is that if politically engaged filmmaking that is both intellectual and emotional is your jam, then Land and Freedom is certainly for you. For that reason and more, I would give it five cups of soda and five bags of popcorn. And that leads us to the end of this week's episode of the Big Fred Tuesday. Thank you for listening. We'll be back for more next week. In the meantime, remember to check out more content on our website, fred.fm. You'll also find lots of interviews from the Torino Film Festival there. Till the next time, this is Matt Micucci signing off. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay strong and stay cinephile. And stay tuned to Fred Film Radio, the festival 
Insider. Fred. 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 This is Natasha Sinyanovich for Fred Film Radio. Fred Film Radio, so I'm some more protection. Fred Film Radio, so Angela Prudenzi. Essa é Fred Film Radio, e aqui é a Mariana Morissal, do Festival de Berlim. Angela Cherby, por Fred Film Radio, on é o Festival de Venice. Fred, Fred, the festival experience in 23 languages. Fred Film Radio, 24-7 on fred.fm and smartphone apps.